and welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 134th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 526th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, August 15th, 2019. I'm your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's Banner Moment occurred all the way back last Friday when Anthony Leal announced his commitment to play for IU. Counting Joey Bronx transfer, that makes eight commitments that Archie Miller has landed from in-state prospects since he took over the job. And all but one of those, Romeo Langford, project to be at IU for multiple seasons. How much does that matter? Well, this upcoming season projects to be the first since 2016 that an Indiana roster will have three non-freshman rotation players from the state of Indiana, Joey, Rob, and Demisey. Each of the last three times that happened, 2016, 2015, and 2013, Indiana made the NCAA tournament. If you look ahead to the 2021 season, Indiana projects to have five non-freshman rotation players who are from the state of Indiana, Joey Robin Demisey, plus Armand and Trace. Do you know the last time Indiana fielded a roster with more than just three such players? 1995. Seriously. And with the talent this state has turned out over the last 25 years, that's basically roster management malpractice. If you look back at the last sustained run of excellence for IU basketball, 72 to 95, Indiana had 14 rosters with four or more non-freshman in-state rotation players. In those seasons, Indiana regularly made deep tournament runs, and their average finish in the Big Ten standings was 1.93, with nine league titles included. Now, you will note the clear bias in this data. Most of those rosters, with a lot of experienced in-state players, were coached by one of the best basketball coaches of all time. And there is no guarantee that Archie Miller can do even close to what Bob Knight did with similarly constructed rosters. But it's clear that true to his word, Archie Miller is the first coach since Knight to be committed to building rosters how Knight built them at the height of his powers. Because remember, after 95, while Knight's success was slowing down, he did not coach another IU roster with more than two non-freshman in-state players. Coincidence? Maybe, but maybe not. All right, now let's bring it back around to Leal. If you want to get really excited... Project the roster out to 2021-22. If no one leaves early, Indiana projects to have six non-freshman in-state rotation players. Rob, Demisi, Armand, Trace, Trey, and Anthony. That's happened only twice in the last 40 years. 92 and 93. Two pretty, two, two pretty darn good teams, I would say. Now look, we all know that it's not a binary choice. IU coaches have been able to find superstars and role players from both in-state and out, especially Illinois and Ohio. And a good balance of local and more national recruiting will always be necessary. But the historical data is pretty clear, and it suggests that the likelihood of an IU basketball team being really good gets better with more in-state players the coach gets to stick around for multiple seasons. If that historical trend holds up moving forward, then Archie Miller's inside-out philosophy may well have Indiana ready to do some consistent winning again after what has become now three decades in the wilderness. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left, he is the J.R. Holmes of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the President Emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and one of the world's most respected bracketologists. He is also patiently awaiting Chat Mob Chad making good on this threat from last offseason. I will deliver a pizza to that door right behind him. Hmm. Andy, what is your bottom's line on the last week in IU basketball? 
I mean, I think Ryan's really the one we need to deliver pizza to, given the general sense of hunger that uh, typically overcomes him on these evenings. Haven't but had dinner yet, guys. It's gonna be. See? I'm on one. Just saying. Just saying. It's too late. I'm too old and too fat to be eating pizza at nine fifteen. Um, anyway, uh, you know, I think it has to be the Leal commitment, as you said. Uh, it, it really sets up things well as you project forward. And you've got a couple guys in the clubhouse, so to speak, at this point. And so now you can really start to um, now you could really start to look at who will fill out those other spots. And uh, many IU fans are obviously doing that based on the some of the questions that it looks like we have uh, for later that everybody's kind of turned their attention now to who those last couple spots will fill. So uh, at this point, it kind of feels like the work has been done from an in-state perspective for the 2020 class. And now everybody can really you know, having, you know, both Trey and Anthony uh, in the fold, everybody feels good about that. And then you move on and try to figure out what does this roster look like? What do you need? Uh, who are the guys that you really focus on with those last couple of spots? So I think uh, at this point with not a whole lot else going on, that's really been where everyone's mind has naturally turned. And uh, like I said, we got a couple of questions about that. I think there'll be some uh, definite opinions on positions and, and things like that. Maybe positions more so than actual players uh, as to where I, you should look next for 2020. But uh, again, all the things that you mentioned uh, point to having a team with that level of talent and that level of, of Indiana guys who kind of get the program and, and Leal, I think gets it uh, potentially more than, more than most just growing up uh, in the, in the shadow of, uh, of, of Bloomington. So uh, I think that's an exciting, exciting commitment. And uh, if you look back to where things were a few weeks ago, everybody's kind of unsure about what's going to happen. Uh, and now, you know, not long after that, you've got a couple guys committed. And I think the the general tone is you and Alex talked about on, podcast on the brink feels good even though it feels odd to say that it, it might feel better for uh this season which has absolutely nothing to do with the guys that signed <laughs> it's weird how that happens uh to my right he is a senior writer for the big lead his mom is a gourmet chef but he eats cereal for dinner and he has a comment about andy katz including matt harms on his list of the 21 most exciting players in college basketball i think harms is largely a stiff he is ryan phillips ryan what is your rant on the last week in iu basketball yeah, I stand by that. Uh, yeah, it's it's Anthony Leo commitment is is the thing to focus on, and and I think that something that got lost that you, both you guys mentioned some really good stuff about that commitment and what it means, and and how um, the feeling around the program is a lot better now than it was a few weeks ago because now there's two guys in the bag, and now you can sort of focus on maybe that last guy or a fourth guy if they're going to be can't, can't say in the bag. Right? In the bag. Oh, sorry, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, so. Uh, it, I think that, you know, there's maybe one or potentially two more guys in this class, but you're starting to narrow your focus on those guys. And what that also allows you to do is start working harder on the guys for next year. And and that's the thing about recruiting is you want it to be coming in waves, not in a huge class and then maybe miss on everybody and, and have to double down your efforts the next year. So you want to have guys already lined up. And I think that they've done a good job about getting these first two guys on board. Now you go out, fill out the last spots, hopefully, and, and, and then really, you know, put the hammer down on the guys for next year and try and get them and, br- and bring them in and narrow your focus as well. Um, so I think that those are, you know, that, that's a big ancillary effect of getting these two guys on board before school starts is now you can also start turning your attention to pulling in those 20 to, uh, 21 guys, as well as obviously zeroing in on your, your last two spots, or it might be one spot, but I assume it's going to be two spots this year. 
Yeah, and hold that thought because we're going to talk about that later in the show. Uh, in fact, coming this week on Assembly Call Radio, we're going to run through a few Hoosier headlines, and then it's scouting report time, as we always do when there's a new commitment. We will dive deep on Anthony Leal's strengths and weaknesses and how his game projects to the college level, and then we will answer your questions. Got some good ones this week, so that should be fun. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to all of that, I want to provide a quick plug for our private IU basketball discussion community, which we host at assemblycall.com slash community. And we host it on Mighty Networks, which you might not have heard of, but if you haven't tried their platform, it's really amazing. Basically, it gives us a private social network dedicated to IU basketball with sections for talking about other IU sports as well. And they have a free intuitive app for your phone that makes participating really easy. So if you want convenient and engaging IU hoops conversation, but you're tired of the anger and ignorance that so often infiltrates Twitter threads, and if you don't like the distraction and data theft that happens on Facebook, our community provides an alternative And we think you should consider it. There are daily poll questions, insightful discussion, links to articles you should read, a live chat feature that we use during games, and so much more. It's also where we compile questions for our mailbag segments. Plus, we're planning some next-level content for the new season. Ben Ladner is developing some Basketball 201 materials that will be available only to community members. And Coach Tonsoni is going to host a Coach's Corner feature that, again, will only be available to members. The community has over 800 members in it right now, and it truly is for serious fans only. That's why we made it a paid community. It's an expensive platform to use, and we want to keep as many of the trolls and whiners out of there as we can. So go check it out, assemblycall.com slash community. You can pay $3.99 per month, or you can pay annually instead and get a huge discount off that monthly price. And by the way, if you've donated to the show before, you get in for free. So just email me and let me know, jared at assemblycall.com. If you're a donor, we want you in there for free. So just let me know. Again, the URL is assemblycall.com slash community. We hope to see you in there with us. All right, gentlemen. So another week, you know, the big headline is a guy committing Anthony Leal. We're going to spend all of segment two talking about that. Still no assistant coach, you know, no real insight to provide on that. You know, we just need to wait till there's an announcement, basically. And you would think one would come in the next few weeks. Uh, we're waiting for the schedule, too. So all of that stuff is kind of in a holding pattern. The only real other story that seems worth mentioning is this Yahoo Sports report that came out Wednesday night uh, from Michael Avenatti. It was from these court filings uh, in uh, an extortion case that Nike and Avenatti are going back and forth on. And he apparently said that Nike was prepared to pay Zion Williamson, however much it was, 50000 70000 and Romeo Langford $20,000. Basically, what's in there is Nike was going to offer Romeo and his family $20,000 in February of 2017 for him not to go to a specific school, but to play on a Nike team and play in the EYBL. And then in the winter of 2017, Adidas sponsored an AAU program run by Romeo's dad, and he ended up at IU. So, Ryan, as I look at this, the headline is salacious, a little bit worrisome for an IU fan. But when you dig into the details, to me, there's nothing that we didn't already know or that we shouldn't have assumed. Like, Romeo was a top 10 pick. Of course, the big shoe companies are going to be offering him money to play for their AAU team or to play in the EYBL. That's what happens. Same thing that happened with the AAU team with Adidas. This is stuff the NCAA knew about. We all knew about it. So it's kind of much ado about nothing, I think. Am I missing anything? No. Uh, as far as Romeo goes, no, this is not new information. The the uh, The question comes with Zion Williamson. That's really what the target of this was because he wound up playing in Nike tournaments and then went on to a Nike school. So if Nike was paying him, that is corruption. And that is um, the kind of thing that the 
NCA should be looking at. With Romeo, the fact that Nike was willing to pay him money doesn't really mean anything because Romeo didn't play and he didn't go to a Nike school and he didn't take the money. We, I mean, who knows? I, I don't know if he took the money or not, but he. Didn't I mean, they were paid by Adidas no to run the AAU program. Yes. I, I think the issue is, is there a quid pro quo money to go to a no. certain school? You can pay right. for an AAU program. That's yes. all above board. And and that, again, paying for an AAU program, I know a lot of people from the outside are like, why are they allowed to do that? That seems shady, like a quid pro quo. Like, we'll pay for your AAU program. You go to that school. But it's legal. And, and right now, at least, it is legal. I can see the NCAA eventually changing that. Um, I'm not sure how long that's going to come. But if you want to get rid of the corruption involved, you've got to start at the AAU level and you've got to start with these shoe companies and what they do. And so, but, but no, I mean, this is nothing that would have made Romeo ineligible. Nothing that we know about, even including this report would have made Romeo ineligible. And by the way, the NCAA knew all about Romeo and his father's AAU program getting paid by Adidas. Everybody knew it was out in the open because it was legal. And so this isn't something where, and it's not wrong. It's not just legal. It's also not wrong. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I don't think there's anything to worry about. Uh, the names in here that the people who should be worried are the teams that took players that come out of this, that the, the schools that are Nike schools that took players who, you know, were part of this as, as it opens up deeper, because there will be more, obviously, uh, Romeo and Zion Williamson were the two big names listed, but, um, I think that there's going to be much more to come. And look, here's the thing is that everything that was going on with Adidas in this corruption trial, uh, in, in the corruption trial that played out over the last, you know, whatever, two years, all of that was going on with all of the other shoe companies. And we all know it. It's just a whether or not you have documentation on it. So Adidas got really put over, uh, you know, raked over the coals and everything like that. But there's no reason to believe that they're the only ones doing it. They're just the ones who got caught in this instance or in the, in the past instance, Nike is now apparently seeing its time in the spotlight. And I, I have a really hard time believing that the others aren't going to get there as well. Andy, you're obviously going to be losing some sleep because your girls are back in school. Will you be losing any sleep over this? No, I no. It it just (laughs) kind of like Ryan said, I don't know that anything in it is surprising. Um, And and even when the things came out about Adidas, nobody sat there and was like, wow, it's a real shame that Adidas did this. But all these other shoe companies are completely clean. So it was just a matter of matter of time, really, before uh, additional things came out about this. You know, to your point, nothing against the rules about it in the sense of, of that. And I think that's been the argument all along is these shoe companies like funding these AAU teams, it's a way to kind of exert some influence that is within the rules in terms of how that goes. So we can argue the the validity of that or whether that should be the rule, shouldn't be the rule. Um, but to me, I just find it hard at this point to get too worked up about any of this, given uh, how widespread these kinds of influences really are in the AAU scene and recruiting scene in general. And not to mention the fact that, you know, and some of this is, is being talked about in the chat. I mean, with Avenatti, it wasn't very long before his initial accus- or after his initial accusations came out where he had been uh, raked over the coals himself to, uh, you know, to, to talk through that part. So I think it's another case where I actually tend to believe a lot of what he's saying, but I think it's a little bit hard to, uh, to really believe it, given 
the source of the information and some of the other things that have since come out about him. And yeah, so, the only, the only time you should believe that guy is when he has documents is basically the only time you should believe that guy is when whatever he says is, is documented. So, and don't um, touch the documents with anything, but a no, glove. of course you need tongs yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, some very strong gallows humor from Aaron here in the chat mob. He says, even worst case scenario, uh, <laughs> forfeiting would forfeiting wins from last season really be so terrible. I think fans would be okay if last season disappeared. Can we also forfeit the losses? Is that possible? Yeah. Because if so, I then like, I think we can all get on board. Yeah, but we need the memory of them to go away, not just the record books, the actual memory of them. Well, I don't think any of this. I don't think any scenario really plays hard. that out. So. No, I don't think so. Uh, all right, coming up on the assembly call, it's time for our scouting report on Anthony Leal. He's known as a good shooter, but a deeper look at his game reveals that he's much more than that. With, obviously, a few clear areas for improvement, we are going to discuss all of that with a few quotes from Anthony himself next here on the assembly call. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in the live chat with the chat mob or watch our unedited live broadcasts uh, or the replays of those, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. And guys, we had a commitment, so that means it's time for detailed, in-depth scouting report of Anthony Leal. Rivals currently has him ranked 113th. 24-7 has him ranked 97th. He is 6'5", 195. And Ryan, we'll start with you. You know, Anthony is obviously a guy whose shooting has been talked up a lot. You know, so much so that I think sometimes he gets described as just kind of a standstill shooter. One of the things that I found kind of digging in a little bit more, trying to watch more of his games, is he can do more than that. At least he's shown it at the high school level, at the AAU level. The question will be how much of that actually translates to the college level. So give us your scouting report on both ends for Anthony. Yeah, I think that's the big that's the big thing is how much of what he does will translate. And that's what we try and project with all these scouting reports, like with Trey Galloway and some other things. People some some people had it took exception to me saying that Trey Galloway didn't really dunk it wasn't gonna really dunk over people. And somebody actually sent me a clip of him dunking over someone. I said well, yeah, but he's not going to do it consistently. Like that—that's what we're talking about, and we're projecting to the next level. Um, Anthony is is the top player in the state of Indiana this year, so it was a great get for for Archie Miller as a result of that. Plus, Bloomington South—he's he's a Bloomington kid. His hero was Jordan Hulls. I mean, this is all—it lines up perfectly for IU from a character standpoint, from a story standpoint, point from what you want. Um, you got to get the guy in your own backyard, and they did. Um, I'll start with a shot because that's what everything everybody talks about. So we'll we'll start with the shot. And and the first thing I have marked down after watching, you know, however much film on him is it's good. It's it's good. He has a good shot. I mean, he squares himself well. His feet stay under him really well. Um, from the technical side, he does everything right. Um, you know, a, a really high finish to his shot. He 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 follows through well. Gets a lot of backspin and a lot of uh, rotation on the ball, which is key. Um, his hands. I, I said the one thing that that I thought was an issue was his hands can get away from his body sometimes. Instead of keeping contained, it's almost like when you shoot, you got to sort of almost be contained in a phone booth, you know. And, and sometimes his arm will get outstretched, and that pushes the ball away from the body, tends to make the shot flatten out a little bit. But again, that's a bad habit I saw a few times that I'm sure 
just as he matures, he gets more strength and all that stuff. He can more, you know, keep his shot a little more compact. Um, the release and rotation are both great. And that's the bottom line. When you look at a shot, like if those two things are good, you can build everything else around it. You don't have to tear it down and, and build anything. With Do you think his release is too slow? Cause that's something people have said. I was okay. All right. There, all right. Let me just uh, <laughs> Um, I, I said uh, the other page one of six of his notes. So you can't, yeah, just don't rush it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, the one thing about his, his shot too, that I noticed is that he can step back on it. And it's when you, when you have a guy who can step back on his shot, regather himself and fire and be on balance, that's, that's an advanced approach. One of the hardest things to do is to have your momentum going one way, reverse it, and still get a good balanced shot. And he can do that. And, and I don't know how consistently he can do it, but in the in the film I watched, he can do it. And he, and, he, and he likes doing it, and it's a move he goes to. And then I have marked right here, he can have a slow trigger at times. And, and, and that is, to me, not a long-term big concern because he can get, a, you're right, he can get away with that in high school now. He won't be able to get away with that at the next level. But the thing is, is, the reason he does it is because he has time to get his shot off now. And, and, and once that is taken away, he'll be forced to adapt. And I think he will based on the structure of his shot as a whole. I'd rather have him taking his time to make sure he's balanced to make sure he's settled before he releases than watch him consistently hurry shots. One of the problems again about Demise Anderson that I saw when we looked at his tape was... He rushed and he just kind of flung the ball up there and it worked for him and he never suffered consequences for it. And so then when he got to the next level, he kept doing that with Leo. You're looking at a really, really good shot that there are some complaints about. But when you have the basis of a really good shot, it's easier to build up and and get rid of the flaws when you already have a good release, have good rotation on your shot are balanced, have your feet set, have your body and shoulders square. When you have all of those things, it's easy to fix things when your shot is completely off, but maybe it goes in. It's a lot harder to fix the problems with it because you don't see the positive reinforce. You don't see the negative reinforcement you're getting. So I'm not too concerned about that. Um, so the shot as a whole, I'm, I'm positive on it. I think that it's great. And I think there's a reason he's known as a shooter. It's because the guy not only makes shots, he has a great shot from the bottom up. Ball handling was something that stood out to me on his uh, on the film that I watched. Uh, it's much improved from his junior year. He is not just a standing shooter, as you said, Jared. He can move the ball around. He uh, can even get fancy with his dribbling, and he can use it to create his own shot. Now, again, will he be able to do that at the next level? I don't know. But the signs that he's developing, the sign that he's developing his game and looking for other ways to attack, is a positive. Um, I think that he gets to the lane more using creativity with his dribbling than he does with a good first step or athleticism. So if you can unlock that athleticism, then you've given him another tool to use to get in and score more consistently. Um, Decent vision too. I thought uh, some really good passes showed up. He had some good anticipation of where the defense was going to be versus where his player, you know, his teammate was going to be. I thought that he passed the ball around very well. He's not a guy who's going to book a lot of assists, but he's a guy who knows he seems to understand the flow of the game and where to find guys, um, whether they're open or not, whether he's setting a guy up. I mean, there's some guys who pass to set other guys up to score. And there's some guys who pass just to keep the ball moving. Both can be useful. He seems like he's a guy who's willing to pass to set somebody else up to score and, and can see the whole floor. I don't think he's as good a passer as Trey Galloway, but I think that he can really help the team's offense, you know, 
move a step forward instead of just sort of remaining in the same situation as it was before he passed. Um, finishing at the at the rim, I, I think he's a solid finisher. He's more finesse than strength right now. Uh, he is he he shows the ability to find ways to get the ball in the hoop. Um, again, though, with you're a finesse finisher can hurt you when you get to the college level because you're going to be f- facing a lot of contact. You're going to be facing uh, taller, bigger guys and the finesse finishes you use may not be able to, uh, to find the hoop as it does in high school. So if he can add strength and maybe get, you know, add that next level of athleticism and still be able to finish with finesse, that is, that looks like a positive. So not the greatest finisher in the world when he doesn't jump off tape uh, off the, off the screen when he's finishing, uh, but he does find ways to get the ball in the hoop, which is a real positive for his high school career. Let's see how that translates to the next level. He'll need to add uh, sort of more into his bag uh, of tricks, you know, to be able to finish at the next level. Um, and obviously he'll need to get stronger in that area. He's just going to have to be physically stronger. He's a tall, skinny kid right now, and, and he'll really need to continue to have strength. I have been impressed, though, the change in his body from his uh, – summer before his junior year to now he is getting bigger and starting to fill out when he gets into a college strength program obviously that will uh you know increase exponentially um he's he's gotten stronger as i was saying if we're going to go to the athleticism subhead which everybody seems to love uh stronger over the last year he's got some quickness but he needs to improve obviously um if, if he's going to be a guy who's going to handle the ball a lot, guy who's going to be able to do things other than just be a standing shooter, threat of being able to drive by a defender is what will open up his shot when he's in one-on-one situations. Um, he does have the ability to get to the rim and, and to find his way into those sort of avenues to get into the paint. Uh, but again, uh, his first step isn't terribly quick. He does it more with creativity. Nice to see, but you really want him to be able to improve the quickness of his first step. Um, and he can get he can get um, he can get up uh, athletically. He can get up and dunk. He uh, he has that ability, but it's not his first choice. And, and he'll do that on a breakaway. He'll throw down a dunk and look really confident in it. But when he goes into the lane, he's not looking to throw it down on anybody. He's looking to lay it in. And so again, that next level of athleticism will really help him with that. Uh, defensively, it's really uh, as we've mentioned. There's a big caveat here. It's harder to judge but he seems like a really tough-nosed kid who's just kind of a bulldog on that end. Uh, he, he, t- he has talked a lot about wanting to defend and being a defender and being you know sort of in the right position all the time and all that. That's step one. Just getting a guy to accept that that's an important part of the game is a huge deal, especially in the sort of AAU culture we have now where guys are just showcasing their offensive skills. To see a guy come out and say, I want to play defense. I am a defender. That's what I pride myself on. That's a huge step. Um, he hustles back on D. I've noticed that a lot, that that when there's a turnover or anything like that, he's one of the first guys back. He's trying to stop the ball. Um, not always successful, but the energy and the effort is there, and that's a, a huge... Archie Miller's going to love that. Um, and then the last thing I saw him, he, he's in good position defensively. He's you know I don't know if he's going to get beat up by bigger guys or or you know more athletic guys, but he's in position and he seems to be doing the right things defensively when you look at the film. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a guy who's going to cap a lot of steals or, or block some shots on on other guards or anything like that, but being in the right position is step one. And and and, and being in the right position and wanting to defend are, are the first two steps, actually. And um, so I, I, I do see... What I see from Anthony Leal is a guy who can really shoot it. Um, he can handle the ball a bit. He's tough. 
He's going to get in the mix. He's going to drive in the lane and he's willing to look for his teammates when he does get in the lane, if he can't finish. And, and then I see a guy who, who's willing to play defense and willing to get in. I don't think he's going to be a great rebounder. I think he's going to be an okay rebounder, but he's willing to mix it up and get in there. And, and he does draw, you know, just from seeing his numbers, he draws a lot of fouls too, which is a huge benefit when you're a shooter. The ability to draw fouls is huge because sometimes guys stand out on the perimeter and just shoot and never get in the mix. Don't, get other teams don't put other teams in positions you know in negative positions they're just waiting for their chance to shoot and that's not what this guy is he wants to mix it up so will all of that translate to the next level we'll see um, but I'm excited to see where this next year goes for him and how he develops and and where he takes his the next phase of his game because he's already got the shooting aspect down let's you know see what else you know sort of blossoms in his game during his senior year That might have been your best scouting report. Yeah, that was that was good stuff. Anything good stuff. specific you liked? I'll, I'll try and bring it back for the next one. No, no, I just it was just good. It was detailed and thorough. Good analysis of the shot. Coach was very impressed in the chat mob. So just wanted to throw that your way. I'm here you for can, you, Coach. Yeah, when you can impress Coach, then I you you that says all you need to say. And you need compliments for your self esteem. Let's be honest. So oh, that's what yeah. we try and do here. Oh on yeah, the show. that's why. Yeah, I it was really it was really bottoming out there for a little <laughs> yeah. while. It was, Thank goodness. I, I mean, fr- from my perspective, I won't get into the level of detail that Ryan did, but I think the things that stand out, the shooting is, is an obvious one. Anybody who's watched this team the last couple of years knows that that fills in a, a clear need for the team, for the program, uh, and, and will make everything run a little bit smoother. I think most of the things that have stood out to me in listening to some of the interviews with him and reading some of the things are less basketball skill related, but just hearing him talk about it and it clearly means something to him to play at IU. And I think that's the kind of thing that, you know, for, it doesn't have to be an Indiana kid who means that. I think we've, you know, heard people talk about that. It meant a lot to AJ Moye to wear that jersey and he wasn't from Indiana. It doesn't, that part of it doesn't matter, but it does mean it, it, you get the impression from hearing him talk. It means a lot to him to be able to play at IU. Uh, And and that's a positive. And I, I just think you continue to see the kinds of, you know, characteristics, whether they be, you know, basketball IQ is, is thrown around as added. I mean, he's, he's a guy who had a full ride to Stanford if he wanted it. He's clearly a, a smart guy and can read the game well. Um, but I think you, you just, you know, hear about the toughness with some of these guys and, and you can envision a path, even as Ryan said, of how he's kind of grown over his last couple of years and what he can do if he continues on a similar trajectory of, of growth as a basketball player when you get him into a you know, division one weight program and all those kinds of things that, that are really there. I think that part of the future and having multiple, you know, three, four year guys who really are able to grow with the program and step in and maybe not have a huge role at the beginning, learn the ropes, pass that on and really grow into uh, a, a pretty prominent role by their junior senior seasons. I think he's another guy that fits that mold, which is, uh, which is exciting. And uh, I think there's a lot there to start with. Um, and you start with the shot as Ryan said, and then you can kind of add some things around it versus, um, you know, trying to turn guys into shooters who may not be, uh, it feels like a little bit of the opposite where you've got a guy who's, who's got a good track record as a shooter, certainly things you can improve about that, but also how do you continue to add things to his game? And in listening to him talk about it, that's something that he seems really focused on. And again, kind of goes back to the work ethic and some of those kinds of things. Here's the thing. Archie is collecting guys with high basketball IQs, something that, over the last decade, Indiana hasn't always had. And toughness. Well, I, I, you know, to some degree, have you noticed that a lot of tough guys are tend to be smart guys too on the court? I mean, 
Those things typically go hand in hand. And, and I just think that that's the kind, it's clear what kind of player he's going after. You look at the last few years, he wants smart guys. You're right. He wants tough guys. And that's that sort of Pennsylvania basketball mentality. And, and he's going after him. And, and you look at who will be on the roster in a year, year, uh, in two years, in three years, and it's going to be a very tough, hard-nosed, smart team. Yeah, absolutely. Which is the most fun teams to watch. So, Andy, you want to jump in? Yeah, I, just one thing. I think this has come up a little bit. It came up more during the recruitment of, do you want to end up with both he and Galloway? And can those guys play together? How do they complement one another? So, Ryan, given that the last couple of times you've been on, you've been doing scouting reports of both guys. What's your... Uh, What's your answer to that question? Do you yeah, feel I like think they, they can I, play well together? Do they complement each other well enough? Yeah, I think they do. I mean, Galloway is more of a a guy who's going to attack, where Leal, I think, is a guy who's going to be on the perimeter and then attack. And and so I think that it's... But Galloway's first instinct is to get into the lane and mix it up. I think I think Leal is a guy who's going to look for his shot first. And then... But, I mean, they've played together for... A yeah, it's not even years. theoretical. Yeah, I mean, they've played together for a couple of years on the same AAU team, and they look very comfortable with each other. And they'll both look for each other, too. So, um, yeah, I, I think that there's no question. Now, you, you stand the two next to each other, and you're like, well, they're kind of the same build, and they're kind of this, they're kind of that. But they do do different things. And, and I think that it's an easy fit next to each other, of course. And, and what's going to be great when they come in is seeing those two guys come off the bench. You know, they probably won't start as freshmen. You see those guys come off the bench and know that they can each fill different roles for you. And I think that that's what, you know, is the best part. And again, you'll have two tough, tough guys who are smart, who know basketball and know how to attack, know how to, you know, help the guys around them and those things. And that's all a positive as well. And so I I just think that, you know, in these days, as we've talked about it many times on here, there's not a designated shooting guard, a designated small forward, a designated, you know, point guard, a designated whatever. I mean, LeBron James is probably going to bring the ball up at six foot nine for the Lakers this year. That's basketball these these days. There's just different. It's sort of like you have a guy to bring the ball up. You have wings. You have uh, maybe maybe a center. You have maybe four perimeter guys. I mean, it just it's different than it used to be even 10 years ago. So I, I really think that just because guys are built the same way and look the same way, doesn't mean they play the same position. There's just a lot of change in the way basketball is played these days. Yeah. That, that was my impression that it seemed like that would come up a lot during the recruiting process, but other than their size being duplicative, their skills don't really seem to be all that much based on you no, know, what I've right. seen. So it doesn't, it didn't really, it seemed to me to be an odd question after digging in and learning a little bit more about them after the fact, compared to what some of the questions were when they were, you know, the recruitment was going on. So I was just kind of curious to see if you the same way. And furthermore, we're going to talk about this in our next segment with Cross. I think you can absolutely take all three of those guys because I think they do different things. Cross can play more of the traditional four. You know, he's a little bit taller. So you can take all of those guys, and I think they could fit. Before we close the segment, I did get a couple comments from Anthony. And by the way, he's been incredibly generous with his time since committing. And, you know, did a great episode of the Hoosier Hysterics podcast, was on with the Hoosier HQ guys. You know, I, I really recommend listening to those because it's really a great insight into just, you know, who he is right now at this stage of his life. And I think he was incredibly composed and incredibly thoughtful for, you know, a guy who's going into his senior year in high school. But we went back and forth a little bit on Twitter. I asked him for three strengths and two weaknesses. His three strengths, Ryan, that he said were his IQ, versatility, and scoring. 
He said he wants to work on ball handling and his overall strength and athleticism. So I think that matches up relatively well with, you know, with what you said. What I thought was most interesting was I asked him, do you anticipate learning the pack line being a big transition from what you guys do under Coach Holmes at South? He said, not really. We emphasize sitting, sitting in gaps and helping hard. I also did pack line in middle school too, believe it or not. That's, you know, Indiana basketball, where they run the pack line defense in middle school. That's why, that's why you recruit kids from Indiana. Uh, yep. I thought that was a, an interesting answer. And then I asked him if there was any current or former player that he thought, you know, that he kind of modeled his game after, or that was a good comparison for the player he wants to become. And his answer, Ryan, you'll love this answer. He said, not really, but I think my style is similar to Clay Thompson's right now, but I don't really try to mimic my game off of anyone. And which that's obviously kind of a ridiculous comparison because Clay Thompson is one of the best players in the, in the world. But I do think it's interesting when you project him to the college level, that's the kind of role that he could play for Indiana, you know, where he's a shooter. Every now and then you'll see him create a good, versatile defensive player, maybe not a lockdown guy like Clay Thompson is, but he could be that guy where he really impacts the game offensively without even touching the ball a lot. So I think he could play that kind of role, which is why I thought that was kind of an interesting comparison. Yeah, the ability to space the floor is going to open up the offense for everybody else. And we've seen that time and again at Indiana when this, when in, when you can shoot, everything else opens up. And, and, and we've seen it, we saw it under Coach Crean, good or bad, shooting changes things. And, and when they couldn't shoot, it was just a bogged down offense where nothing looked right when they could shoot. It was at times brilliant. It was so much fun watching when they could shoot because it, again, opens the floor up for everybody else too. Um, and I think that that's going to be the same uh, under Archie Miller. It's this, I mean, it's, it's a truism in basketball is if you can shoot things open up and, and it stretches the defense. So yeah, it's going to be very important uh, for him to play that role in Indiana. Do you add, we had a couple people in the chat mob ask they want a player comp from you so I think I think we're gonna have to get one if you have any you know who he reminds me of reminds me of Anthony Leal that's who he reminds uh, me of no I I don't know I he's he's you know there are guys where you see some of his game in it I mean yeah there's actually there isn't one that jumps out to me really no because you know I I'm Zeisloft not maybe but not really. But there's difference there. He's quicker yeah. than Zeisloft. He's better with his handle. I mean, somebody somebody told me they're like, hey, it's Matt Roth, but he plays defense. It's like, well, then that's not a player comparison. Like he does yeah. different things. And um, and I don't think he's the, you know, look, Matt Roth could shoot threes blindfolded in a, you know, in an empty gym for 10 hours if he wanted to. I, I don't think that's what Anthony is. I think he's a good a really good shooter. But that's not the only thing he does. He's an attack. He yeah. can attack and and all that. So it's just he's a he's he's a versatile, as he said, versatility. I, I think there is more versatility to his game. Than I think a lot of people give him credit for. And also to his credit, I think that's developed over time. I don't think that's something that he always did. Yeah. Um, so I, I you know I think that there are things about him that have gotten much better over the last year and hopefully continue to get better. Yep. All right, coming up in our third segment, we are going to answer your questions, including who we would handpick for the next two recruiting classes and the biggest question we'd like to see answered before the season starts, of course, that isn't related to Jerome Hunter's health. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. We'll be right back.
Carson Edwards here, and um, even though I'm teammates with Romeo Langford, I'm still never going to listen to the Assembly Call. Go Celtics. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morse here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup even during the offseason, and after every game we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. All right, guys, mailbag time. All of these questions submitted uh, via our private IU basketball discussion community, which I mentioned earlier on the show. Uh, go there, join us, assemblycall.com slash community. So a couple of really good questions about the upcoming recruiting classes. Um, and let's let's start with Kent's first, actually. He says, assuming IU will take four players in the 2020 class and Matt Cross is the third commitment, which I think we all agree is probably likely and that we all would handpick, which goes to the other question, which is from Paul, who want, wanted us to handpick the rest of the 2020 class. So I think we would all say Cross as the third guy. Then Kent wants to know who should the fourth player be? A point guard, a wing, a big man. He says, assuming Cross doesn't come, who are the two remaining players that you would like to see IU get? So it's probably going to be a four-man class. Andy, what do you think of the guys that are on the recruiting board? Who's kind of at the top of your list to join Cross? And then if Cross doesn't come, after Cross? I guess I'm less thinking of it in, in terms of particular players and more positionally. I think point guard, uh, a backup point guard for Rob and to, in an ideal scenario, kind of bridge things to Christian Lander coming. I think that's one that really, if you look at the roster now, there really isn't a clear, you know, is Devonte that guy this year? Is it, you know, can Al do a little bit of that? Who, who really knows? There's not really a clear person now to be the backup. Um, that so far isn't changing for next year. So to me, that's one of the spots almost has to be that in my eyes. And then the other one is, is a big guy of some kind. And, and to your point earlier, you know, while cross, I don't think is thought of in the same way, you know, based on some of the things that are, you know, said about him and scouting reports and things like that. I mean, he does have decent size and would kind of fill that need. You'll still have presumably Trace and Joey. You've got Race Thompson. Um, you know, things aren't bare from a, a, a big guy standpoint, but I, I kind of look at it as one, you know, power forward or center type guy, whether that's cross or somebody else, and then a point guard. Yes, yeah, see, I, I agree with the notion of a point guard. And I like I think a guy like Caleb Love obviously comes to mind. Now, I don't know how likely it is that IU has a chance there, but I think what you need is a ready-made ball handler who can go get a bucket because Devontae is kind of that guy this year, and he's going to be gone. Jerome projects as a guy like that, but we don't even know if he's going to play. And you know, Cross is a guy who can score, but we don't know how, much, how ready he'll be to do that as right. a freshman. So I think you've got to get a guy that can step in and be an offensive creator for himself and others. You know, so whether that is Caleb Love, whether that is, uh, I think it's R.J. Davis, uh, the guy from out east, I think that's got to be the priority. Now, if you can get a Dawson Garcia, who's you know kind of a top 40 player, a big man, a versatile big man who can play inside out, you would find room for him, and that would be great. But I think the priority, even with the, the emphasis being placed on Lander in the future class, is you got to get a ball handler who can go score. Yeah, I think I, I agree with both of you. I think the point guard position is the priority, but you'll take a Dawson Garcia if he if he you know commits, obviously. Um, but Caleb Love, I think that's going to be a real tough one, tough battle to win. Um, maybe RJ Davis, yeah. but you would like to get another ball handler in there. Um, but I, I'm not sure how likely that is right now. I mean, you may be mining the transfer the the, the grad transfer market in the offseason to find a to find a ball handler. 
Yeah. Or, or yeah, again, it just like, you know, like Purdue got that Jihad Proctor guy to kind of fill in for Carson Edwards, this guy who can go get some buckets. Right. You know, I and mean, we may need somebody like that. So going back then to the rest of Paul's question, he also wants to know if you can handpick 2021. A little bit harder because we don't know exactly, you know, the scholarship situation then. And obviously guys can develop. Lander's the obvious one. I, you know, it projects for three scholarships right now. I think Trey Kaufman is the other one that pretty much everybody would say, you know, yep. versatile big man. And then, you know, again, for the third spot there, a scoring wing or a big. I mean, you're going to need to start replenishing your other bigs. Kaufman, not necessarily back to the basket guy. So I think, you know, like uh, the kid from South Bend, Riley, Blake Wesley, I think Blake is his West. name. He's, uh, yeah, he's really interesting. So, you know, I think that's where you've got to... Now, that assumes that you get Lander. If you don't get Lander, you know, you, you need to get another ball handler there too. Right. So that's yeah, what I'm saying. I'm, I'm on the same page as you with both of them, I think. Andy, any thoughts there on the 2021 guys? No, I would agree. I mean, you, you spin forward to who you think you're going to lose. I think the big guy becomes important in that scenario because Joey Brunk, you're going to lose at that point. And uh, so, yeah, I think I, I would agree with what you said there, but it's a little bit dependent upon this. And Lander's one of the big swing points there. But um, yeah, I agree with you. All right. Interesting question here from JD. What IU basketball related question are you most anxious to get answered before the start of the 2019-20 season? I confirmed with him non-Jerome Hunter category because that's obviously the oh, question everybody say, wants to answer. answer. Yeah, so he said yes. That's the obvious answer. Is there another? And again, besides the assistant coach, like take the oh, obvious ones off the well, table. You just took the two that I was. Well, gonna let's challenge ourselves a little bit. What other question would oh, you like? Like, like, is there anything in an off-season video that you would look at and say, "Huh, okay, that's interesting." Is there anything like if I'll Justin Smith hit twenty threes in a row? Would you be like, "Huh, yeah, I okay. think that's it. I think it's. I think it's how much of these guys worked on their shooting." And are we going to see an example? You're going to trust an off-season shooting video? Well, no, but I'm just saying, like, that's the question I need answered is, are these guys going to be able to knock down shots? And, you know, that that's really the biggest question for me because I think that was the difference last year. That and health were the difference between IU being a much, much better team was the ability to just knock down shots, and, and they just didn't have it. Andy, what about for you? Uh, I, the shooting would certainly have been on my list. I think the other, and I don't know how you'd actually answer this or what you'd be given to answer this question, but if you had a crystal ball of what you wanted to answer would be for me is the Devante that we saw at the end of last season, the guy who we're going to see this year. Um, cause that's the other outside of the, the Hunter health situation is really to me, the biggest swing thing for the team at this point, everybody looks and says, where's the scoring going to come from? If you felt confident that what you saw from him at the end of last year is something that he'd be able to give you on a regular basis this year, as I know you and, and apparently Alex and I were driving the, uh, driving the train for that. But uh, I, I think that would be what I would say is if you, if you knew that, I think that would make people feel better about the uh, you know kind of overall offensive makeup of the team. The other one for me is how's Deron Davis moving around. Uh, that's, and that's actually something that I think we could see, you know, I mentioned on podcast on the brink, you know, there's a picture that was kind of floating around on, on Twitter where he looked really svelte. I had someone email me that saw him in Colorado and was like, you wouldn't believe how skinny he looks. And that's the kind of off season whisper to me that actually means a little something just because of the context of how his career has gone and the injuries he's dealt with, the conditioning issues he's had. So I think if you see, you know, him looking real limber and moving up and down the court, that would be a really good sign. Um, you know, that he's really taken this off season as seriously as you hope he would. And as you would assume he would going into a senior season. Um, and that would really pretend good things, uh, for this season for him. 
Um, last question here. Let's go with uh, let's go with Bills. Andy, what gives Hoosier fans confidence that Indiana's offensive shooting percentage will improve this year? Just comparing the existing the existing players on the team this year to their performances last year. To what extent do we believe the assistant coaching position will likely uh, impact offensive production? I think the assistant is a little bit hard to hard to gauge until you know who it was. I think everybody's clamored a lot for a, an offensive guru of some kind that, that you'd be able to bring in what, who that guy is and how you'd get there remains to be seen. But yeah, I think one of the things that we've talked about is where the shooting comes from. So in terms of volume three point shooters a year ago, it was really Romeo and Juwan who didn't shoot at a great percentage, presumably to points. I think you have made on a few different things over the course of the off season, those shots get redistributed uh, to some guys who have, shown uh, at least a little bit more of an ability to knock down threes again to go back to Devontae. Can he shoot it as well as he did toward the end of the year? Al, you look at the numbers before the thumb injury uh, and then uh, or the finger injury. I think it was his thumb. A finger of some kind. And then uh, and then Rob was shooting it really well before the concussion and, and kind of struggled to get his legs back under him after that. So if you assume that those guys get some more of those uh, three-pointers redistributed to them, uh, I think that helps. And uh, hopefully an off-season of work, as, as Ryan said, if he can get his question answered, then maybe we all feel a little bit better about it. Ryan, your thoughts on the shooting? I've made mine pretty well known across several podcasts. Uh, you know, I think it's just the thing that, that should give people confidence at all is just that there's another year in the system and there's another year of these guys working and getting stronger and getting better and, and you know, sort of being dedicated to their craft in high school, you know, you're dedicated to your craft, but you're also a high school kid. Now, I mean, this is almost like a business and, and it's a business. You have to approach it as such and guys work out and they work hard. You look at a guy like Al, who is apparently just killing himself in the gym, according to, um, you know, a lot of reports. So, I, I mean, it's these guys being in a position to get themselves better. The best thing about freshmen, they become sophomores and then sophomores to juniors and juniors to seniors. And, and it's just a matter of development. Yep. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right. That is going to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU basketball again with you next Thursday night. Until then, take it from me. Nick's eyes loft. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And as always, go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Okay. There we go. Another off-season episode in the books. Only a couple more left, right? <laughs> Counting them down, man. Counting them down. <laughs> Well, we got to start going through our player previews. I think I tried to tell so. myself that, and then I was like, oh, wait, it's actually football season that's about to start, and then we've still got a little while. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We've got a little while. Wait, there was a really great comment in the chat. It was from, uh, I don't know. Chad said he wants to know if there's going to be some emotion on the court, which might be hard to see. And I don't know how that would be answered before the season starts. It'd be interesting if yeah, there's a way for it to be, but... Well, you might be able to see from spirited practices and stuff. I mean, if guys are, you know, more locked in. Yeah. <sighs> it would be fun. Like, I would love to see them just put out a social media video where the guys miss every shot. Well, back to work. Yeah. <laughs> like, just because, you know, it doesn't mean anything and it would just be funny. 
or like a video where they're shooting free throws for a minute and they miss every single one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would troll people so hard. Uh, I would I would applaud that very much. All right, everybody. Okay, you guys can fun. run AC after dark without me. I appreciate it. I'm spent from the scouting report. <clears throat> it was a good scouting report, man. I appreciate it. It was a good um, scouting report. No, it was fun all... to watch, so it made it easy to watch a lot of film of him. I mean, there's there's a lot there to like. So, um, Galloway was was fun to watch as well, but in a different way, in that he was finding ways without being like a dead eye shooter. He was finding ways to contribute, you know, and so that was interesting to watch. Um, but sometimes, like when you have a big man and all the highlights of them just turning around, laying it in, or just dunking. You know, or you have a point guard where all he's doing is passing. I mean, it's not, you know, not as fun uh, to do to break a guy down like that. So um, both those guys were were easy and fun to break down. Yeah, they'll be fun to watch too. I hope. I agree. I sure hope so, man. I sure hope so. You should frame those. Take a picture of them. We'll put them out on Instagram. Should I frame it for Anthony? And just send it to him. <laughs> I did it in pencil. It doesn't look very official. It's. <laughs> Mail it to him. File that away with that Steve Alford picture you got from IU Artifacts. Yeah, uh, that's over here somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, here we go. There you go, guys. That's your that's your post show entertainment for the night. Is my Steve Alford picture. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm All right, everybody. Later. We will see you right. next week. Next week. All right. Thanks, everybody. See y'all. Yep. See y'all. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. Rocket Pro Insight makes it easy for real estate agents to help clients strengthen their offers with a verified approval, giving you the power to adjust the approval letter amount. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.